0: I spent $500 on Shine. If you keep up with TikTok
1: trends, you've probably come across a Shein haul. I
0: just went on a Shine haul.
1: Got $500 worth of clothes for $10. A woman, usually young, often white, showcases the massive amount of cheap clothing she got from the Chinese online retailer Shein. The TikTok robot voice lady says it wrong. Good news is, I've got clothes for all of winter. Bad news is, I'm out $600. I went down a very long TikTok rabbit hole of watching Sheehan Hall videos. Have you watched these?
2: Yeah, of course I've watched them. Uh, There are so many of them all over the internet.
1: That's reporter Louise Matsakis, who spent six months investigating Sheehan's explosive popularity for the tech news site Rest of World. When she was reporting, she watched video after video
2: there was this girl and she was dumping out the kind of cardboard box that you might get like a dishwasher in or something. And there was just endless plastic packages spilling out all over her floor that were filled with bikinis and crop tops and patterned socks and little earrings. Um, And she was just sort of like yelling at the top of her voice about how excited she was about this gigantic, I think it was like a $500 Sheehan haul.
1: Shein's clothes are incredibly affordable. And if you're in their core demographic, young women, it's almost impossible to escape their marketing. If you imagine a Venn diagram of social media, fashion, and software, Shein is right in the middle.
2: I love fashion. I've loved it my whole life. And I used to think of it as something that was driven by taste, right, or by runways. It was sort of this finicky thing.
1: But according to Louise and her reporting partners, Megan Tobin and Wensi Chen, Shein is something entirely different.
2: What I realized is that this was a fashion company, now one of the biggest fashion companies in the world, that was instead driven by data.
1: The way Shein works, and the speed at which it's taken over an industry in just a few short years, could fundamentally alter the way Americans shop online. Today on the show, the rise of Shein. The Chinese company is changing how we shop, and big tech is watching. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us. First, the bad news. That's SAP Business AI. Before I talked to Louise, I spent some time on Sheehan's website and downloaded their app. Every day there was something different and eye catching. Hashtag daily drops of new stuff, flash sales, videos, artist collaborations, and constant discount codes. Leggings for $7, an $11 velvet dress, a whole suit for $35. Plus, makeup, baby clothes, workout stuff. It's dizzying.
2: When I look at the Shein app, honestly, what I see is Taobao. Um, So if you're not familiar, Taobao is this legendary e-commerce site in China that's owned by Alibaba. And Xi'an sort of borrowed a lot of the hallmarks of Taobao and other um, e-commerce sites in China, like Pinduoduo, and what they did was that they tried to make shopping fun. It's a very different approach from what you often see from American companies. like. Amazon's kind of like not a very cute website. You go on Amazon, you're like, okay, I'm out of toilet paper and toothpaste. I'm just going to add those things really quickly. They're going to be at my doorstep tomorrow. Great. I don't have to think about it, right? That's sort of the business model. Where I think that Taobao and Pinduoduo and now Shein in the West, they decided that they wanted to make shopping an entertainment experience.
1: You can buy suggested outfits, put together a specific look or see what's trending. Then you can click over into the gals section and see Shein Clothes, not on models, but on real people, sharing what they wore and how they styled it.
2: A lot of fashion companies, their entire sort of ethos is about exclusivity, right? Like you know, I think about like the Telfar bag, for example, which is like, you know, one of the hottest bags in the fashion world right now. It's a status symbol. Yeah. And it's like purposefully scarce, right? Like it's really hard to get a Telfar bag, whereas Shein like is like, no, we want you to be able to get whatever you want. And they've done a lot of things to sort of cultivate that image. I think one of the biggest um, ones that comes to mind is Shein has one of the most extensive plus size lines on the internet right now. So they're capturing this consumer base that a lot of other fashion companies are ignoring. They're basically saying, like, we just want to fill every niche possible.
1: I think if people are familiar with fast fashion, it's because of Zara or H&M or maybe Topshop. How is she indifferent?
2: So I think there are a couple of ways that they're different. So there's the obvious stuff, right? Like, they don't have physical stores and malls. They're not hiring, you know, thousands of retail workers around the world. And they're not driven sort of by runway trends. Like, the normal model that I think that we're all familiar with is, like, Zara will go to fashion week in Milan or New York and they'll see what's trending on the runways and then they'll come up with a season, right? Like you know, based on those trends. Shein is not driven by any of that. <laughs> Instead, they're listening to what people are looking at on social media and it's all data driven. Another thing that makes Shein really different is that they have thousands of suppliers in China whereas, you know, Zara might work with a couple of trusted factories. Shein has this vast network that it can tap into, and they connect all those suppliers together in an app. I mean, it, it just sounds like a, a tech company. It is a tech company. Um, so this is how Shein works. Every day, they add anywhere from you know, five to th- 10,000 different items on their site. And then they wait and they see how customers respond. So Lizzie, if you and I decide that we love the camo print leggings that, you know, were released today and a bunch (laughs) of our friends buy them too, Sheehan will look at that data and say, okay, we're now gonna ramp up production of the camo print leggings. And what they'll do is that they'll tell their suppliers to up the ante. So they usually start with these really small orders, you know, like as few as like a hundred pieces. And then they ramp up production in contrast to Zara, which says like, okay, we want 10,000 of these dresses. We're going to, you know, take a risk. Right. And we're going to send those 10,000 dresses to stores. And if they don't sell, we're going to mark them down. Shein feels to a lot of people like it came out of nowhere. And yet
1: suddenly this company is is valued at a rumored forty seven billion dollars. Where did it come from?
2: we kept hearing from people like, oh my God, I've never heard of this company and it came out of nowhere. Um, And that's definitely true in some ways, you know, like they're really targeting a very specific demographic. But I also think... This element of surprise or this like, you know, idea of where did this company come from is also a result of the fact that I think that often the tech industry sort of sees the interests of young girls as frivolous, um, Mm. are not very interesting. And often young women and their concerns and their, you know, consumer habits and what they're thinking about is very divorced from the tech industry, which is very male dominated. But also the company is very, very secretive. So I wanna give those people some credit. You know, It's not like Sheehan was putting out press releases left and right or trying to talk to people in the tech world. So it was founded a few years ago in China um, by this entrepreneur uh, named Chris, this is American name, and he's very secretive. And I would say that in around the last two years, they really exploded in popularity. Um, And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. But the number one reason, of course, is the pandemic.
1: Pandemic restrictions meant that Sheehan's competitors, like Zara and H&M, had to close many physical stores. Whatever advantage they might have had from foot traffic vanished. Shoppers spent their money online and shared their Sheehan hauls on social media, creating even more buzz. Last year, Sheehan's sales rose to a staggering $10 billion.
2: I think it's easy and like, you know, I do it all the time to compare Shein to Zara, but in a lot of ways, it's actually much more like Amazon. So like Amazon, what Shein has done is they have cultivated relationships with thousands of factories across China. So starting in the early 2010s, Amazon did that too. It's often the case that you're not actually buying from Amazon, you're buying from one of these third-party sellers, many of whom are based in China but recently a lot of consumers started complaining about fake reviews and Amazon's reputation started to sort of tumble. So in response, Amazon kicked off all of these third-party sellers. In other words, the relationship between Amazon and sort of Chinese factories and Chinese manufacturers started to sour. And at the same time, Shein was on the rise. So I think that they were able mm-hmm. to sort of come in and say, "Hey, you guys already know how to cater to American consumers because you've been doing it on Amazon for a while. You know, come work with us, right? Amazon sort of taught American consumers to buy from these Chinese companies with sort of like maybe like strange names or like, you know, jumbles of letters on Amazon. And I think that that made a lot of Shein customers feel more comfortable and like they had already done this before.
1: When we come back, why Shein's model might soon be everywhere. I don't feel like I can have a conversation with you about fast fashion without asking about about pay and and labor conditions. What what do we know about how Shein works with these suppliers?
2: This is definitely, you know, a really important question and something that comes up from Shein customers all the time, you know. For every Sheehan Hall video, there's a video from a sustainable fashion influencer who is telling you know, all the reasons why you shouldn't shop there. And one of them is often you know, concerns about labor conditions. There have been reports that Sheehan is working with suppliers who don't necessarily have the best labor conditions. But I think it's also important to note that The fashion industry in general is known for having poor labor conditions, and just because you're buying from a more expensive brand doesn't mean that it was made by someone who was being treated fairly. This is an industry where, you know, you're working from day till night, and there's just like no, there's no more slack.
1: The scale of what you are describing is staggering. And when you combine that with the very low prices, it can feel... um, Almost shockingly wasteful. Like, I, I wonder if this business model pushes consumers to something that is even more of a throwaway than previous generations of fast fashion.
2: That is definitely something that I've thought a lot about and is really concerning. You know, even if you do really like the crop top that you got from Shein two years ago, like, is it going to make it in the wash again? Right. And what incentive do you have to sort of take care of that garment when it costs like maybe a little bit more than a latte, if not the same price? And all of the incentives that companies like Shein have are to encourage you to buy more and more.
1: I think a point that you have made very clearly both in our conversation and in your reporting, is that Westerners, and particularly the kind of tech industry, underestimates the desires and the market power of young women. And I still think that some people might listen to this conversation and say, why should I care? Why should I care about what a bunch of 20-year-olds are ordering online? And I wonder what you would say to that.
2: What I would say is that whether or not you like it for the rest of your life, that demographic is going to be influencing what you wear and where you buy those clothes. That is such an important consumer demographic that is going to change the market um, and it's changing The internet, it's changing consumption habits already. Um, So even if you're not part of that demographic, teen shopping on Shein is going to have ripple effects for the clothes that you buy in the stores that you think are totally separate from what's happening on the internet in these communities.
1: So how this model works, how this kind of consuming works, that could be something that people who have never heard of Shein are doing a year from now, five years from now.
2: Absolutely. And it also is going to have, you know, impacts on labor conditions. It's going to have impacts on the environment. One other thing I keep thinking about too, is like, it's not just that the desires of young women are seen as frivolous or like not interesting, but it's also, I think that they're often seen as one-dimensional. So you would like see these tech guys be like, oh, like, young women like love Shein and they don't care about the software model. They don't care about the impact on the environment. They don't necessarily care about the labor standards. But what we found is that often the same girls who are posting a haul video or talking about how excited they are about the outfit that they got on Shein, maybe in the same video even, they will talk about how they feel ambivalent about the future of this sort of model.
1: What do you think happens when you combine social media and almost its sometimes addictive nature
2: with something like fast fashion? So I'm interested about what happens when like a design that was basically created by an algorithm ends up influencing trends what does it mean for the future of fashion if it's data driven like this and everyone is spending all this time in an app that is you know trying to respond to their interests it brings up a lot of the same questions that we've been asking the last few years about like the facebook algorithm right or like you know the youtube recommendation algorithm does it lead to more purchases does it change the types of clothes that people are interested in wearing i think those are still open questions
1: Louise Matsakis, thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me, Lizzie. It's great talking with you.
1: Louise Matsakis is a freelance investigative tech reporter. She reported on Sheehan along with Megan Tobin and Wensi Chen. All right, that is it for our show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks, and we are edited by Tori Bosch and Jonathan Fisher. And we are always guided by Alicia Montgomery, the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and we're part of Future Tense, a partnership with Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. I want to take a moment to recommend that you go back and listen to Wednesday's episode of What Next. It's the explanation of the Canadian trucker protests that I really needed. I am Lizzie O'Leary. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend.